Podcasting is a complicated profession, which is why we're here to discuss The Bad Batch Season 3, currently airing on Disney+. Plus. My name is Dan Morton, and I am joined, as always, by the rest of my squad. Kat Benish is here. Hi, Kat. Hello. That was it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Expected more. It's fine. Rolling with it. Tony Sindelar is also here. Hi, Tony. Also, hello. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Hi, Dan. <laughs> you're trapped in here with us. Welcome. It's oh, you're trapped Saturday in here night, with me. and we have nothing else to do but talk Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I, no, no, no. This is what we have chosen to do more than anything else. Yes, I understand yeah, that. Prioritize this. Yep. Um, well, we're here to discuss season three, episode four, entitled A Different Approach. Um, not written by the same people who wrote A Different World, but could have been. We don't know. What was A Different World? <sighs> You sweet summer child. Um, anyways, it's fine. You're too young. No, no, you can't just like drop that and then be like, ah. Oh, it was a TV. Sh- it was a TV show from the eighties or the late eighties. Oh, you 90s. know what? I was thinking of another world, which is a bit old. A video, video game, actually, which is yeah. confusing because that's also called Out of This World, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was one of those called different things at different markets kind yeah. of games. So. Quick, quick question, Tony. You're getting pull mm. one, and then I want our <laughs> listeners to write in two. Please don't do this. <laughs> I absolutely am. What is the show that you always refer to that you think everyone knows? Don't just say the name of the show. Don't I, that's all I'm supposed to say. I'm just supposed to say the name of the show. Yes, Moonlighting. I know that Moonlighting is a show. I know that Bruce Willis is in it. That's already enough. That's fine. You've I, you supported my be, thesis. It might be Canadian. It's not Canadian. <laughs> it might be about a vampire because it's, it's no. Got that's the word. a different show called so Moonlighting. What do you What do you know about Moonlighting? Wait, wait. There's two shows called Moonlighting, and one's about a vampire. No, no, the other one I think is just called Moonlight. No, okay. Oh. Not to be confused with Moon Knight. Tony, do you know anything about the show or sort of like why it is such a watershed moment in television history? No idea. I know people, there are some people who are very obsessed with it, but that's never a very useful metric for me because, like, you know, we travel in nerd circles and, like, I've met people who are, like, really into, like, do South. And, like, wait, that's that was a okay, great whoa, whoa. show. Yeah, that, that was, was a great you, are you show. Are throwing down right now? What's happening? I'm, I'm saying I think that works out great for them, but I don't think that that's necessarily, like, like a thing that people need to seek out. I think if you miss yeah, do South, it's not nearly as good as the guy. Okay. Do South, by the way. I, Definitely I also, Canadian. <laughs> I yeah, not true. It aired on CBS, but it had a okay. Canadian. It's about a Canadian. It is actually even Canadian. Paul Gross is actually Canadian. This is this is one of those places where uh, I was not either just you know oblivious to a lot of TV slash not allowed to watch TV. You were probably I was not allowed to watch. He too was young a guy very for, attractive and he had a very cute dog. Are we talking about? Dussel? I have yes. heard yes. people. Okay. Refer to him as Canadian beefcake. So yeah, uh, I, but I I've never seen Do South. I've also I think I was I was not allowed to watch MacGyver. That was actively oh, prohibited. Such a good show. I think it, it was one show. of those things. Was that it because was of like, Richard Dean Anderson's hair? Because my it was just mom too and I fabulous. used to watch I that think, show. It was great. So this may be one of those things. I was not allowed to watch anything that had basically any military <laughs> themes in it. To my knowledge, MacGyver does not have military not, themes not really. in it. No, the entire thing is MacGyver but refuses it, to use a he gun. He doesn't use guns, yeah. That's but his it, entire well, like, reason. But I think it was in the 80s, and it was one of those shows with a lot of explosions, so I think it was just like, no. you know, Airwolf, MacGyver, all it of those. It was brilliant. It got me into science, and like MacGyver was the gateway to Stargate, Stargate and Stargate Atlantis, but we don't talk about Stargate Atlantis. I don't watch those either. Two mil- those are like Star Trek, but with the military. I'm not. That's not for me. You um, realize the so. Federation is military. No, they're Starfleet, a collection of scientists Starfleet and baby. diplomats with uh, guns, and they're not so many they're not, guns. They're, laser guns. They're look, they're not problematic at all. I just finished um, another rewatch of Deep Space Nine. It's a story about exploration and making friends and never war. It's literally they <laughs> militarized the scientists. It's basically space. I, is force. this still? 
Is this is this still in the podcast, or are we going to start the podcast? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, we've, Anyways, okay. it is really important yeah. if we do keep this in the moonlight, moonlighting, or moonlight. Anyways, Dan thinks everyone knows it and thinks it represents. It's like the watershed moment for people about a couple that never gets together in the TV show, and that like is that what it's about? It's, it's not about vampires. So no, the 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 fundamental point what I was trying to make is it is the exemplar of that what no one happens. has heard of. It's not true. Lots of people have heard of this show. <laughs> Just because if you've you have heard, not of heard of moonlighting, <laughs> write in. If you haven't heard about moonlighting, also write in other ones. It's, and, and, and can please, I just no, 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 one more thing. I say, write in, write in. Also, and please give your age, round to the nearest decade. We don't. Um, yeah. Also, zip code and some just some other <laughs> socioeconomic information. <laughs> we're running. Look, we have not gone through IRP yet, but we're now running. This podcast is pivoting from being a Star Wars <laughs> podcast to a moonlighting <laughs> cultural significance of research. <laughs> if you could please okay. send your chain code in with it, then uh, yeah, Dan, what were you um, say? I think we interrupted you. Yeah, what? <laughs> All I was saying is it is often used as the exemplar of why. When you have that the tension between the two leads and like, oh, the whole thing is they never get together, they never get together, and then they do get together, and the show like falls apart. Tanked. Yeah. yeah, like that is kind of used as the preeminent example of that. So it's The Office. I never watched The Office. Yeah, well, anyways, so every so, time we talk about this, Dan brings up mood lighting. I'm like, I I don't every know. Every time that we is. talk about what does that have anything to do with Star Wars? None. <laughs> Why are we talking about I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so we're watching... No, we're talking about the name of the show. It was the name of the episode. Come back to the name of the episode. We started there. All right, I'm going to pretend so, that so we, we just So we have so started. far gotten through the name of the episode. <laughs> Which I don't even remember. Okay. Another way. Nope. <laughs> I think. A different way? A different so world? So we're here to talk about season three, episode four, A Different Approach. All right, Dan, I think you should keep this in at the end. <laughs> uh, because anyone who is still listening at this point hates us. <laughs> so this episode picks up where we left off at the end of last week with Crosshair and Amiga on a shuttle together that is falling apart as they go through hyperspace. They conveniently crash out of hyperspace onto a planet that is inhabited. Very nice. Uh, at which point the ship dies and they have to basically hike into the spaceport in town yep. and figure out how they're going to get off world. So quick side note this... here. I will say for hmm. all of my complaints about just sort of um, very unsafe structures and space, like the lack of railings. Uh, we talked last week about the 10 death rays. The crash survival rate of spaceships is actually yeah, really very good, right? Like yeah. I actually think the, the engineering there, especially because they weren't wearing seatbelts, um yep. is is really especially the dog survives too so i uh apl- did you mean did you see the section on this in the um incomparable member discord they no. specifically said the same exact really? thing <laughs> yeah that's why i was like did did, did she read this no i didn't i've been on discord <laughs> ages uh, okay no there's literally a comment the, the first comment in the thread on discord is uh, for an empire with zero occupational safety regulations or walkway guardrails, their vehicle crash safety systems are on point. They weren't even wearing seatbelts. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like congratulations they, for being mind melded. Uh, like must be a different. Nobody's got like a broken arm. Yeah, it's incredible. Doesn't seem like bruises. They're doing great. That's good. I mean, if you're so. going to design spaceships that are possibly could crash, yeah, yeah. You need like yeah. space airbags or something. Something, whatever Ion it is. Ion airbags. Yeah. I don't know. So that's where like the safety people yes. in the Star Wars world are all. They're very. They're crashing vehicle. Crashing spaceships into mountains yeah. all day. I tell you this. Like, nope, not not safe enough. Doors don't fall out of spaceships in the Star Wars universe. I can tell you that. Oh, too too soon. Yeah. Um, 
No, we got hurt. It was fine. Um, mm. So, so they, they're going to go to this planet. Yep. They're uh, at, well, they're on this planet. They're going to go to the spaceport. They're on this planet. They're going to go to the spaceport. Uh, my initial impression is uh, that this planet sucks. It's a scum of, <laughs> it's a hive of scum and villainy. It's, it's just, I mean, you know, it, there's some interesting stuff going on. It, it does seem to be a Star Wars planet that mm-hmm. we've never seen before. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought when they were going to land, it was going to be Tatooine. It was going to be very impressive. Yeah. Uh, I was worried, like, I saw grass, and I was like, is this Lothal? Is Lothal the only planet in Star Wars that has grass? Uh, but no, different planet, uh, but also still very recognizable, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars planet. It's got a spaceport. It's got marketplaces. It's got droids and aliens. It's got stormtroopers and also stormtroopers that wear, like, ponchos. Didn't really understand the poncho functionality there. Uh, and it's got a bar. But it it, it is, like, kind of like a... It felt a little bit like a, a planet maybe from Andor in terms of it seems like yes. kind of a sad industrial planet. Like a, just a real Pittsburgh of a planet. Um, yep, just making friends here is what I do. <laughs> the ah, the hub of the Midwest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. yeah, so uh, I, yeah, the, the only, for a minute I thought it was going to be the one from uh, episode nine, the snow planet. It kind of had that vibe. But then as they sort of get in there, I agree. It's a little more industrial, a little more generic so, yeah but i, I like it i like s- i like having a new planet it's nice do they say the name of the planet it, the wikipedia no. summary mentions it and the planet is only it's ever Lau. mentioned in yeah Lau, and it's somebody referenced does in this say episode it. and that's it somebody okay, does someone, say it in somebody, the i think the captain that we meet in a bit like says like he yeah. runs things on uh, Lau. yeah um but that is the only only knowledge of it yeah. we have um so they're looking to figure out how they're going to get off world Crosshair obviously wants to take a militaristic approach by basically, you know, stealing a ship uh, and shooting people. Uh, Omega decides instead, like, we're going to bribe someone to let us on board. Uh, She's successful, except for the fact that the price given is outrageous, 30,000 credits. Yeah, they played pretty fast and most of them generally on this. Like, the kid also then took a five. I was like, that is a lot of uh, latinum. Yeah. Latinum. (laughs) Go home. Do, we don't actually have any. We don't know what the conversion rate on credits. To that US could be like five is, bucks. Right? Is it like rubles? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Inflation is very challenging so for they all des- economies. They decide they're going to make the money, and they go and find a uh, establishment where there is gambling going on. And Omega, who we have seen in the past, is very good at certain games. Um, she beats. She's playing at Sids at one yeah. point. And she like basically mm-hmm. is hustling everybody out of their it also, money. It looks very similar to a card game you play in the uh, Knights of the Old Republic game. Oh, so. is it? Okay, uh, yeah. It, I don't know if it's. I don't. I can't tell if it's the same. Um, but uh, uh, also, I, some real time googling for you uh, at uh, Galaxy's Edge in Disney World. They peg one credit to one U.S. dollar, so that's very convenient. So um, that kid made a lot of money. So either they're yes. like for very little, or that kid got a lot of money, like several years yeah. of salary of fruit selling. Also, the game they played like looked a lot like playing set for people who mm-hmm. remember that card game. Pazak is the game that that Tony yeah. is referring God, I'm to. So glad I know that now. Uh, I don't know if it exists in canon. It may only exist in in Legends. So yeah, she goes in to hustle them, and uh, it's unclear if she's just really good or if she's actually cheating. I yep. don't think she's I think it, cheating, I think it's, but it's, I think she's... Or I, is she very lucky because she's... Uh, Force-sensitive, you know, yeah. Yes, Force I think that's... that's or, that was my or has she just it. Or did she just basically get a, a summer internship hustling people at SIDS that, you yeah. know, is paying off here? Could be a little Slash, of everything. You know, 
maybe that uh maybe that uh imperial captain not so good uh because he's he's you know cheating in his in his own special brand yeah, of cheating where you know yeah so so uh uh, first, Omega beats a Trandoshan. Uh, I yep. like that the Trandoshan are weirdly good-natured in this. They're not like all like, oh, they're not like you. This guy's just like, oh, yeah. man, that was not, my yeah. lunch money. Not all Trandoshan, yeah. dear. Not all Trandoshan. Yeah. I, I mean, there are some, I, I think, you know, I have, I have, so I've said some mean things about this planet. Um, that said, they seem to be very accommodating of people of all walks of life and that a child could just walk into this bar that they probably yeah. should not be able to. They, they are welcome to, to, to engage in a ga- gambling game, starting with zero dollars, uh, right? Yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, and no one is like, you know, you are clearly not an adult human. You should leave. This seems to be a, you know, maybe we can learn from Lau in terms of how they treat people. I also love the um, idea that everyone's just standing in the bar watching them. Apparently, the, the, the droid mentions that yeah. they got a crowd. Um, so, and there are no pets on this planet, as we learn later, <laughs> for reasons. Mm. Um, so, Omega cleans out the Trandoshan, and then we get the entrance of our Imperial Captain. I don't remember if he who him. feels like he's out of like the Maltese Falcon or something. He literally <laughs> uh, he's out of uh, yeah. uh, Casablanca, basically. Casablanca. Yes. That's what I. You're yeah. winning, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's <laughs> he's he's collecting bribes slash kickbacks from the bar the droid who runs the bar, um, and then he sits down to play Omega, and Omega cleans his clock, and it seems like for a minute, like this guy seems genial, right? Like, oh, you beat me. Well, fair play. You know, well, we know oh. some in the middle of it, someone comes over too and says, "By the way, there's a crash ship," and he doesn't put two and two together, so maybe no. he's not that astute. But wait, there's more. Uh, he's very astute, or at least moderately astute. <laughs> at the at the end, he, he tells Omega that she needs to pay a fine for illegal gambling, uh, and but still manages to leave him just enough to like make their tickets. Uh, except when they come out, Bitcha. Batcher, who has been set outside because he bothers the uh, the captain when they're playing, is gone, and our imp- enterprising fruit seller kid <laughs> was willing to tell them where they he was taken for just a meager 5,000 credits. That's, that is enterprising. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's more than you yeah, for melons, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, $5,000 to tell you yeah your dog got stolen that is not a good deal uh because it's not like here's where you're gonna find them it's like i'm gonna tell you that you're, you're in trouble um, yeah that's yeah. that's a service i would provide for five thousand dollars um mm. i do want to mention so captain man is his name great name captain man <laughs> real real placeholder uh, uh <laughs> voiced by harry lloyd um who some people might remember from counterpart or game of thrones um in which he played viserys the original viserys daenerys's brother who gets melted spoiler alert uh-huh. um but i enjoy harry lloyd quite but he's also in the robin hood yeah. show on bbc short-lived he played will scarlet that's right um, what he's is a his fun actor what is his accent that he it's, this it sounds has? northern english to me yeah that was i i i, I thought i wasn't sure if it was because it's not quite scottish but it's not british right um, yeah he's from london wow so here's the thing I did not know about Harry Lloyd, which we're just going to talk about now. He is a great, yeah, great, the great, Harry Lloyd podcast. great, great, great grandson of Charles Dickens. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, anyways. And he went to Eaton. There you go. So I feel like maybe he's doing a slight accent here, but I enjoyed his, I enjoyed his like delivery on the and accent yeah. on those lines. It was kind of like a. He's very smart. Me. I liked him. It was yeah, good. Like, a, was I like, this is, this is the, we talked about the joys of a uh, hemlock and being sort of 
uh, evil c- comes in all sorts of forms, right? Mm-hmm. And like this is, and we saw this too in Andor, seeing like the deterioration of essentially who is still an admiral and the, like the, the warlords. And this is like basically a corrupt official. And it's, it's yeah. just nice to see all the it's, different it's a, shades. It's a little banal almost, yeah. right? Oh, it's I great. Think I, I enjoy that aspect. And like, he's I, I, bad I think at there's it. something about, yeah. And, and he's not very impressive, right? Especially like, I feel like, I mean, he's literally going to a bar and shaking them down for money. And like the droid knows to just hand over the weekly payment or whatever. Right. Yeah. He's not, he is not impressive as a warlord. He's just a local bully. He's a big basically. fish in a small pond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And why we never really asked on the planet, why can't you have pets? Right? That is really well, weird. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess I'm not sure if I took that part literally so much as he's just being a jerk and he's gonna take all their money uh, and that, he's gonna make up. I also don't think gambling is illegal. <laughs> so um I'm just yeah, saying I don't dancing. think he's dancing I, is also illegal on this planet. Illegal. Yeah, yeah. The name of the bar, Roadhouse. Uh yeah, I don't think he uh <laughs> you know, I don't think he's 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 filing paperwork on all these these this oh, you money. Yeah, you don't think he's he's got like a, a like an Imperial Revenue Service uh thing. Mm-hmm. There's the there's the show I want to do, the Imperial Revenue Service. But okay, the guys we've who come already, in and audit the Imperial Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've talked about the entire challenge of banking in this mm-hmm. economy and the fact that everyone is just on credits rather than bank. So like they, it's a largely also, cash economy. Yeah. So you literally could not do an IRS. Like it's fascinating. I mean it is, for it's example, uh, they're going to, you know, the, the the going rate to get two, uh, you know, pirated tickets on the on the thing requires you to carry around a little briefcase yeah, of money. Right? That's inconvenient, right? And I yeah. was just like, that's going to get lost somewhere, right? Um, you shouldn't need a special carrying case just for your money. I, I take it back. I actually would. Lo- I want to watch the show. The show sounds great. Mm. It's like too. Uh, the whole thing is like uh, getting down. getting yeah. the like the bad guys for tax evasion, right? It's mm. going to have very Capone. We got him again, boss. Texas. It's the Untouchables. Yeah. Um, all right. So Batcher is been taken by the Imperials. Omega's going to go after Batcher. Crosshair's like. It's a dog. Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the money. And, you know, that's basically Crosshair and, and Omega have the same conversation about three times of like, let's just kill all these people. Let's just, it's it's a little bit like a D&D conversation. I that too. Like, the person was like, no, let's, we can try let's charisma Let's just check. murder all these people. They don't have names. No, we're never coming <laughs> back to this planet. Um, and Omega is playing it lawful good, where it's like, we should at least try to not murder all the people before we give in and murder all the people. Did I, I know that they that the Imperials basically have an illegal zoo that they're running? No, I did not. But, you know. <laughs> I do appreciate that this is, you know, the reason we have this episode is, A, you know, where we left off last week, I don't think we could just go back to being like, oh, they've reunited with Hunter and Record. Everything's yeah. great. Um, and so I like that we have to spend a little more time with these, our sort of odd couple, uh, and that this is, because we're setting up Crosshair for a redemption arc, Yeah, we need a chance for him to come around a bit and be willing to soften yeah. to Omega's approach and also to have some personal growth. And so... Yeah, he starts to try and walk away, and uh, you know Omega goes after 
Batcher and then Crosshair shows up and is like, all right, fine. Grumpy, yeah. grumpy, grumpy. And I think that literally shows, I mean, it's it's a very heavy handed allusion to the, the first time he's separated. And this time he's turning back for a, a dog, right? And sort of the turning back for family. He's turning back for a dog. He's turning back for Omega. Yeah. Come yeah. combi. I was, uh, I was a little surprised that we see Hunter and Wrecker at the end of this episode. I hadn't expected that. Yeah. And I feel like in some ways it's an interesting timing that they put them back together where... You know, Omega and Crosshair have basically had this short 22-minute <laughs> side quest together. Uh, so, like, you know, they've had some growth there, but also things are still complicated. Yes. yes. And, the, yes. you know, and the rendezvous is that, you know, that that mix of, like, Wreckers delighted to see uh, Omega, and then it's like, oh, also... You are here, and we 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 didn't have a meeting about how we, what we would do if we ever saw Crosshair again. Um, but I do love um, Omega's just like almost the childlike, even though I mean she's yeah. quickly not becoming a child anymore. But just like the the sheer immediate love and trust of Crosshair, no matter yeah. what. Um, and I think putting it at the end of the episode was actually a really brilliant sense of timing. And I think things we've seen in the past. I mean, the Mandalorian show and then the Ahsoka show. I think. The fact they never talked about Ezra Bridger um, and like the whole, like they never talked about things. It was actually really nice to have clearly lean into this. This is a fraught moment. There is tension here. And rather than ending the episode with that tension uh, and allows like the the time that we're now going to experience going between the two weeks, feel that like that naturally drawn out and sort of be heightened by the time we see them get together. Even if it's from a, in terms of screen time, we'll be instantly trying to get to some sort of resolution. Or, or or maybe not. It will feel longer and more tense to us because they put like I think it was really smart, but with the yeah, placement of it, solid solid yeah. pacing. I agree. I think also I would add to that. I really appreciated the fact that it um they didn't have any dialogue for yeah. Crosshair mm. and Wrecker and Hunter. All Agreed. we get is the Agreed. look yeah. of like him coming down, and he doesn't yeah. say anything because in, any, in some cases anything he could have said would either be some form of resolution or potentially a little too pat mm-hmm. for him to yeah. be like yeah. oh you you know or something like that yeah. like it would just be i think just letting it linger on the look of like he's still fairly fierce he, he seems on very yeah. uncomfortable and territorial uh, yeah and, and like on for uh, on compromising about his decisions he seems to have no regrets well hunter and wrecker both seem really like i mean they every time they've crossed paths with him like they have not seen what we have seen the episodes yeah. that we've yeah. seen from crosshair's point of view they just see this guy who is basically trying to hunt them down and so yeah. they have they, every they reason in the world he's been through exactly yeah. they have every reason in the world to be suspicious and to distrust him even yeah. as much as they used to trust him and tried to rescue him basically yeah i i found it enjoyable this episode really hits you over the head with omega's uh like just eternal optimism mm-hmm. right yes. it's like we need to go back to that planet and save all the other prisoners we need to save these random zoo animals it's just like my 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 you know older brothers who hate each other are gonna be fine when i put them together i, <laughs> right? I, bet, I bet like everything's gonna go great i bet cat thirty thousand credits uh that when i did we, not take the bet of course it was gonna happen <laughs> when we walked into the room into the all the caged up animals i was just like all those animals are gonna get loose. yes yes <laughs> yep uh, except for that one animal the thing the, that it's a raptor captain, isn't it it, from, I didn't uh, remember Force what Awakens, it was. the oh, one that's chasing yes. Han and Chewie basically through and, the which ship. Which conveniently yeah. kind of the, the cage gets closed on that. So the one most dangerous thing is still locked up. But all the space ostriches and space parrots are, are <laughs> well, free. I like so. to think of it like uh, doing an avatar cut here. What's the name of the mm-hmm. king who is encased in stone? 
who's like boomy in the Isn't earth boomy? kingdom boomy it is boomy yeah is it just boomy what's the young girl's name Toph. Okay, Boomy. Yeah, Boomy basically chooses to be in there, and I think like this creature chooses to be in there too as well. It's like safe. Yeah, it's comfy. It's nice. It, it lives likes in like dark. a hole. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, I enjoyed the um, yeah. They get out of there by letting all the animals free. Uh, I do enjoy uh, Omega is basically like, all right, Hunter or yeah. Crosshair, you can do your thing now. <laughs> yeah, and and also <laughs> interestingly to play on to the thing we talked about last week, Kat, you mentioned how he's sort of lost his his mojo yes and he has here too right oh, he's, he's just, not his hand shakes he can't he can't be a sharpshooter he, anymore he's not picking people off left and right he's lots of i, I was paying attention because i noticed this a lot of his shots go wide mm. um and you can chalk that up to maybe the he's using a terrible stormtrooper blaster um it's but, still him against like a dozen yeah guys. he's yeah. still doing okay they, they, but he's not do fine he's not just like <laughs> killing people left and right yeah um i did also particularly enjoy it's just a little comedic bit, but the bit with the uh, one stormtrooper in the tower as the freighter is coming up <laughs> and it blows him off. It's just, A, it looked great. Like, I've been impressed once again. We didn't really talk about the animation much last so week. Oh, God. But there were several shots in that yes. episode that I thought were great. And there's a particularly good one here, too, when Hemlock shows up to look at the shuttle, the crash shuttle. Mm, I, the, there's yeah. a great silhouette, the lighting, and it's this beautiful. I don't think scene. I had noticed until this episode that Hemlock has like a music cue. Yes, yes, that yes yeah. he does. Yeah. It's very creepy, minor key, yeah. very ghostly. Yeah, makes me think of, like the haunted mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. But I think the once again, this show has proved that this animation, their animation chops are top notch. Yeah, like they have, yep. they've it, everything looks really good there's and also, is lit really well. Yeah, there's a shot too Even, when the shuttlecraft are flying over the town and they're like birds flying. This it's just gorgeous, like and not just like one, but like the layering is, is beautiful. Even the planet, which I don't know if it had a name, that they meet up on at the very mm, end. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to put some, like, gas giants and stuff in the background. This I is not just... Like, it could have just been the woods, but it's like, no, there's going to be a bunch of space stuff I looked that background. up, and we're I think not. that is a planet from the very beginning of the show. There's, like, an episode they go where I, like... A animal steals parts of the shuttle. It's like episode I three. That. Yeah, I think it's on they have this to go planet. Into the tunnels. Yeah, which is yeah. why she's like, it's a place nobody's going to find us. Basically, got it. Um, but yes, I agree with you. They, that looks particularly good. And I do want to call out also um, Todd Vaziri, who is a uh, uh, you know on the internet it's a VFX guy and really smart. Talks a lot about shot design mm. as being the thing that sets it apart it's not always like whether you think the cgi looks real or whatever it's how the shot is composed and these guys pay the people yeah. behind babbage pay a ton of attention to the shot composition and the and like how everything layers together and i think it, the lighting is important, important but like it's not something i think it's thought about in animation as much because when you feel like oh you can do whatever you want people don't i think the audiences don't always appreciate that you still have to make those choices in a way that like when you have real people, a lot of times it feels like there are constraints, like holding you to f- like put a camera in a certain mm-hmm. place. Like with animation, you can literally do anything. Yeah. I was saying in animation, I think uh, because of that too, I think you get, there's more variation and you can, when it is good, it, yeah, I guess I'm just agreeing I, with you. Yeah. yeah. I think, it makes it yeah. harder in some ways because there's nothing holding you back. You yeah. can do whatever you want. Yeah. So like people sometimes get lazy, but I feel like, they really do clearly consider that here. Yeah. No, it's it's gorgeous. Uh but yeah, I think that's the that was the episode led into a good place. So we're four yeah. episodes in and there's what, sixteen episodes in this season? I'm making that up. I have no idea. Someone should fact there check are 15. that. Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. 
Odd number. Interesting. I'm feeling good about this season. I remember last season, we were kind of like, what are they doing? Uh, it took a while for that season to figure out what it was doing. Uh, but this season, they're, they're doing it. Well, so. I mean, I'm interested to know what the sort of... What is end the game? Yeah, what is the end? Yeah. So we know this is the end of the show. I Clearly, they're planning for things. But like, what is the ultimate conflict that we are yeah. dealing with here? Well, I think they basically have to figure out... I um. This story has always been about their preservation and never about mm. the rise of the Alliance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also an allegory of um, middle-aged men, which I think is delightful. We don't get enough of that. Um, <laughs> no, but I, th- I was thinking about as you see Crosshair come down, like he can no longer be a sharpshooter. You've got Hunter mm-hmm. and Wrecker, who are also like, they're no longer just their archetypes. They're, their edges have softened. They're now mm-hmm. also like, they're all basically surrogate dads. Um and like their and we, their job is to like preserve Omega and help Omega. So yeah. I do think I very much think there's a world where basically they all just leave, whether they go to the the path, whatever the Jedi thing is called, and like they somebody basically remove themselves because of the threat that Omega represents to this. Or yeah. it's a super dark ending and Omega's captured and she's the reason that Snoke exists. And we have her to blame for episode nine. So and I, I thought it was interesting. We still still know uh uh Echo and uh, Rex, who yeah. are off doing, I guess, proto-rebellion things, right? Yep. And it, I, I feel like there's kind of a little bit... They, I feel like they've basically kind of established that the the Bad Batch is not in this for the rebellion, mm-hmm. right? right? It seems like that... And I don't think they're going to take a left turn and decide, oh, that is what this show about. I don't think that's what it's about. I guess in terms of... It, it is definitely about their little kind of family. I am wondering if they will get kind of this push from Omega that it is also about the fate of the clones and that they've got to go back to Tantris. Interesting. Yeah. And, I, and, and maybe I think, that's I, where all the Because I feel go. like that is kind of the unanswered question of the Clone Wars and this show is like, where did all the clones go? I love uh, that idea, Tony. And that's I feel good. like some of them, maybe some of them are going to get it. You know, maybe we don't know that there's hundreds of clones living uh, in in happiness in, on Space Grease that uh, the rest of the galaxy doesn't mess around with. But I feel like that's like Omega is like, oh, but they're our family, too. And so we've got to do stuff. Also, probably Hemlock's research is going to fall apart such that you know, uh, the Emperor can't get cloned for 20 more years. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Or more than that, even 30, 40, something like that, right? Some, some, the, uh, the Mount Tantus research operation has to get set back, uh, and, uh, and Hemlock's career is gonna get, um, yeah. k- kicked out of, uh, whack. And I think, I think that will happen through actions of our, our space family. So I think we also have, like, a, basically a number of different narrative threads that are going to be yeah. tied up. Some of them are like, you know, we have Rex and Echo over there. And I think having them over there is kind of brilliant because it frees up us to not talk about it. Is because yeah. we know, okay, They're Rex and Echo are dealing with it. Um, we have Hemlock. We have Emery, who we don't really know what her deal is mm-hmm. and why she's going to come down on this. Um, this week, we do have a brief scene where uh, Hemlock has imprisoned Nala and essentially she's playing dumb about why uh, you know, oh, it's just a false positive. False you know, positives happen all the time. All the time. Uh, and Trust that's, me. that looks dicey for her. Um, and then we do have, we know, you know, obviously from the trailers that there are some other characters from Clone Wars. Well, and Hemlock, I believe, asked that they, uh, all of their operatives be activated. Yes. Basically. Yes. Yeah. And I, I will say I went, <laughs> I went looking for the, um, 
press images to put up on our show. And there are a number of um, character posters. I don't know if have been disseminated widely, but hint to uh, basically a number of other characters from other animated shows and other anime properties that we have seen before returning this season. So mm-hmm. I think we're we're not, if not wrapping up, we're certainly going to see a lot of other previous mm-hmm. animated characters again. So there's gonna, probably going to be little arcs here and there. And then we'll, I think yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we're going to be dealing with the clones at the end of the season. That's the ultimate thrust of this show. I love the idea of all the clones being rescued because we know they've based an op shift out there. They cover that and basically, yeah, they're all in Space Grease. Um, and that sipping that is, sip in the space my ties and uh, living life. Uh, <laughs> it's it's also a very satisfying story for like in the broader Star Wars arc of of the clones who have always been tools of others to finally get some agency of their own. Like that's I know that what the it's it's just that's that's happy, right? That's actually really there, nice. There's I hope that happens. Relatively little, you know, I'm thinking back aside from Rex, Wolf, and Gregor. Who yeah. we all see yeah. in Rebels. I think the only other one I can think of is in that one episode of Obi Wan, where he sees the clone like at the side of the you know the basically homeless clone. Yeah, uh, and yeah. like that's like a one little like tip of the hat to like okay, not all the clones are are gone by this point. Like they're still around, but they certainly aren't that many who live to that age. Yeah. Um. And maybe that's something that we'll get into, too, is just like, are the clones kind of designed to be expendable past a certain point? Well, that also teases up for the fact that uh, we could... Uh, the Ahsoka movie happens how long after Return of the Jedi? The show? The show. Eight years. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering if they basically go back to Space Grease to find like an army of... They're all retired. Pretty, pretty, yeah, yeah. 60, 70-year-old yeah. <laughs> clones. Yeah. Yeah. It's very... Yeah. Uh, oh, man. They're just... See, they shouldn't be what, that there's old. A, they, Yeah. 20. A lot of opportunities for chiropractors on that planet. And, yeah. You know, it's probably about 30 knees. years Wasn't post. there a movie where they took, like, older actors and had them basically be retired spies? I'm thinking Red or something uh, like Red. That? Yeah. yeah. Never saw it. John Malkovich is in it. Okay. It's based on a comic. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Listener, uh, listener mail? Yeah. Let's do a few listener things mail. here. Um, I will. Let's start with... Uh, the Incomparable Membership Discord, which members uh, who have subscribed can access. Um, I just wanted to pick up a couple comments from there because I thought they were kind of interesting about this particular, uh, about our show last week. Um, let's pull those up. Sorry, I had them and then I lost them. Here we go. Um, uh, uh, listener Nat pointed out, uh, had a premonition while listening that the episode nine prehabilitation is going to explain why the emperor ended up cloned as a very old man instead of a young strapping specimen as would seem sensible, <laughs> which I thought was a good point. Um, uh, and then, uh, yellow car commented, I'd never thought about that. Plus why not decelerated aging while hemlock Pershing and, uh, ASD were at it trying to keep an open mind about the prehabilitation, but maybe too much of a mess for even Filoni and team. Um, this linked in with a comment from Mastodon, where we are uh, at ACP, ACP at zeppelin.flights. Um, at least I think it was from this one. Uh, I've lost various places. Uh, maybe it was from the email. Oh, sorry. I, I got, again, <laughs> getting turned around because there are a lot of comments. Do you want Tony and I to riff for a second here? Yeah, now I don't remember where somebody said this. Maybe it was just in the comment of somebody else on there. I apologize. I thought somebody had written in about this, and I don't remember where it is of the case. Somebody asked, this may have just been a, like to us on Mastodon, not to ACP. Somebody suggested that Hemlock, an older version of Hemlock could be the client from 
the first season oh. of Mandalorian, Werner Herzog, basically. Werner Herzog. Oh. And that's why he's mm. looking for Grogu because it has something to do with the cloning. There is a there is a thread there that's not quite connected, yeah. right? Where we have like mm-hmm. that cloning thing happening with Gideon and stuff in in Mando that has something to do with force sensitive cloning. Do they ever they, they never quite name link the it in? He's just called the client hmm. as far he's as I know. He's called the client. Yeah. That'd be um, cool. He's got a giant medallion. Uh, I feel like that's all basically all we know. It's a little blingy. Him. And he also doesn't quite yeah. sound like Hemlock, but yeah. Yeah. Um anyways. It's hard. We're, he sounds like he sounds a lot like Warner Hurts. He does sound like a lot like Warner Hurts. <laughs> it's, it's, you know. Boy, but, man, it still remains one of the weirdest gets for the Star Wars universe. I love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, so uh, on Mastodon, uh, Lyle writes, Welcome back. Really fun slash strange energy here, and thank you for that. Yeah, I agree that the first batch of three was strong in line with the back of last season. Why was last season so disjointed? It felt like two different teams with very different levels of affection for the great Rail Perlman, also known for inventing Barbie before her work as a fun corporate ghost. Uh, looking forward to your hard-hitting coverage this season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, sometimes... Sometimes there are different people working on different parts of the season. Sometimes they kind of have in mind, like, hey, let's be kind of light and episodic for something and then kind of buckle down and do a more serial plot for the back half of things. So, I mean, I intend to think, I, I generally give them the benefit of the doubt and think they were planning on doing that. I agree that the first half of last season was definitely weaker, but they really, you know, they really put it into overdrive yeah. there at the second half. And it's hard to argue that it really paid off. So, yeah, I mean, I just pull it back to our episodes that we recorded that at the halfway mark, we're very much like, eh, this is fine, whatever, it's meh. And then at the end of the second half, we're like, this is the greatest show we've ever watched in our <laughs> lives. And that was the most challenging death I've ever seen in Star Wars. So like, yeah, they're very different. Yep, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, why or how? Don't know. It's a great question. I um, Better though that way than the other way. Sure. I mean, I think... We've arguably seen the other progression with some other Star Wars shows. And yeah, there you go. Um, I'm going to jump over to an email at one point because there was a segue here because Kat, you just mentioned uh, the roughest death in Star Wars. And Michael emailed us at acp at theincomparable.com. Uh, subject line, the saddest death in Star Wars. Hi, Star Wars pals. I'm so glad the podcast is back. In the last episode, you talked about how Tech's death was the saddest one in Star Wars history, but the saddest death has to be Padme's because she literally died of sadness. (laughs) 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 Which is not a medical condition. And again, we talk about the fact that like you can literally replace arms and yet we can't not have a I think Michael gets that and is making fun of it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, during the break between Star Wars shows, I I went back and listened to the classic episodes of The Incomparable that reviewed the prequels. Dan, you had some unkind words to say about the prequels in those episodes. How do you feel about them now? Tony and Kat, what are your feelings about the prequels? Looking forward to your thoughts on all of the upcoming Star Wars shows. Do you guys want to go first? You know... I'm on the uh, record already, so... I I guess I'm not. I, I think I have softened on them a little bit, as I have softened on all things in life with the wisdom of age and having other things to care about. Uh, but uh, I do, you know, the Clone Wars helps a lot in kind of, uh, you know, fitting some things together. On the other hand, uh, I think this is a confession. 
I have not gone back to the mm. prequels. I have not seen episode two or three since seeing them in theaters a long time ago. And I only watched those ones once each where, you know, I saw A Phantom Menace multiple times. Yeah. Uh, Pro tip, Tony, you know, ju- do not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that there's that, that, that episode of the, the, the Clone Wars uh, with Ahsoka that, like, lines up with the mm-hmm. the episode three is that's a real date that is a very slippery slope of like oh i should just watch this right like that was that was all, like literally i was like maybe i'll do that now nah, i don't have time for that um uh, but that that almost got me um so yeah i have not gone back to them so i don't know i know i feel like i was reading things recently where we must have been coming on some anniversary of phantom menace or, or mm-hmm. of some of the prequels where people are like reviled at the time but later found is something and i was like okay i guess if people like them later there is the, i mean there is the weird thing well not weird but there is the thing where there are people who were children when the prequels came out and ha- are now grown-ups and they look at them more fondly and that's you know fine um probably not a bad thing slash maybe the intention of the whole the whole shebang uh and so you know i'm glad that people uh enjoyed them and got stuff from them but yeah i'm not super super seeking them out and which is you know weird because there's other star wars stuff that i will it's like yeah i would rather read a bunch of good to mediocre star wars comics or play a star wars video game or do something else versus go back to the prequels <laughs> so Kat, how do you feel about those Star Wars prequels? So, Tony, I just want to say that you are a wiser man than me, uh, than mm-hmm. I, uh, as I made that mistake as we were watching the Clone Wars, I think, during the pandemic, at the start of the pandemic. You just, like, well, you were weakened. You were oh, in I was state like, of, oh, man, yeah. these are way better than I, I remember this. Like, we should just go mm-hmm. back and then watch the movies. Oh, readers, we had made mistakes. Um, yeah, they don't... Uh, I, I agree. I think you can, we're all on the same mind here, right? Um, they're not great. I think they're poorly made i think um and i think to uh, i i'm not an expert on this but i do think it speaks a lot more largely to like governance models and like decision making Mm -hmm. models in studios Uh, and i think we've talked about this with potentially the felony problem that we're beginning to see um of like the ability to tell someone no that's not a good idea do it this way instead um uh but i think fundamentally for me the prequels are and we talked about this, I think, several times on the podcast, like really, really, really good ideas, very poorly executed. Um, and I think that's what the the animated shows draw out then. Yeah, I saw Phantom Menace seven times in theaters before I admitted to myself that it perhaps was not a good movie. Saw the second and third one once at the time. This thing a couple more times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, either. It will be very interesting. What I'm intrigued to see is now that we have a son who is now 19 months old, um, a what age do we introduce it to him and be seeing it through his eyes and like jar jar binks is going to bring him joy and i'm really excited for him for that i i'm i'm glad that he will get joy for that um and i just might walk out of the room when that happens mm-hmm. yeah i i haven't revisited my comments on the podcast but i feel confident that i i align with them here's the thing I think to your point, Tony, about the sort of remediation of stuff via Clone Wars, I think the right answer is kind of the approach you have, which is let the Clone Wars make you feel more positive about them, but do not go and watch them again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let them, like, let them make you of, feel. Let them rewrite your memories. Yes, don't exactly. Go because it. I have yeah. more fondness for those like movies having 
the Clone Wars as a lens to view them through, but it does not improve the movies to my mind. And I've watched the Clone Wars, which is, I don't know, dozens, hundreds of animated episodes. I don't know, three or four times, and yet have never gone and watched, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that's a two-hour movie again. Uh, and you know, I think I'm even okay. even I would add into that the um, recent Hayden Christensen appearances in both Ahsoka and Obi Wan. Even those give me a rosier yeah. memory <laughs> yeah. of those movies. But I think fundamentally, my problem with those were mostly bad writing, bad um, writing, bad directing, bad directing. Bad it editing. turns out. You know, it's convenient. There's a new set of Star Wars movies you could be disappointed. Yeah, no, but I think those <laughs> every are, generation. That's what I talked about. Was like, I think yeah. those don't have yeah. good ideas, but were well executed, right? I think it's yeah, almost the exact ways, opposite problem. That's always been my theory. I mean, you know, I think, I think the, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm trying to be generous here. I think the prequel trilogy did what it set out to do, and that uh, unfortunately that was not for a lot of us. And uh, whereas I think the new prequels, uh, or not, they're not prequels. The the more recent sequel trilogy is uh, has so many great things in it, but is such a mess yeah. uh, in terms yeah. of how it's assembled. That I'm like, how did you guys, how did you guys mess this up? Right? Yeah. Like this was like, like you had you had all the money and you had like one That's... shot to do this and like. A couple people didn't talk to each other. What the he- what the heck? Yeah, that still befuddles me. But I know we could probably yeah. talk about the. We will still all continue to give Star Wars our money. That we will no doubt. Yeah, we're, to do we're required to. We're beholden. Yeah, it's part to of the part we, of the contract. We, with we the podcast. have. We have no other choices. <laughs> it's it's legal required. But mm-hmm. uh, any other questions, Dan, um, or emails or just, statements? Uh, Although we'll talk about just the two more message. things on Mastodon. Uh, Lyle also wrote in to say, also, I'm starting to familiarize myself with Kiner's music work, Kevin Kiner, who is the composer. Mm. Hey, it's that guy from Rebels and Clone Wars in Ahsoka. I'm not sure he's at the level of Williams and Gorenson, but I'm noticing and appreciating his work in Bad Batch. What's your take on his work here? Um, I've listened to a bunch of his stuff. I think he's a really good, like... I don't want this to sound pejorative, like, but I think he's really good at a, at mimicking John Williams' style and weaving that in. Like, he does a nice job of that in Clone Wars, especially, and somewhat in Rebels too, of evoking the John Williams score. But I think the trouble with that is always when you're evoking somebody else's work, it can't help but be seen as a pale imitation of that work at times. Um, the one exception for me, I mean, it's actually two exceptions. I think both. Um, uh, uh, Michael Giacchino's Rogue One score and John Powell's solo score are actually very good, like, tip their hat to John Williams, but kind of go off and do their own things. Ludwig Gorenson, who did Mandalorian, his is like, I'm just going to do something totally 180 Love degrees it. different. Um, so Kiner's kind of in the middle where it's like, I think he, I think of him as a very solid, like, journeyman composer. I mean, I'm, I don't mean to be... To, but if you're doing 15 episodes, right? Yeah, it's you very can't, different. That's fine. I don't want the music sound, but I, like, I give him credit. Like, again... Uh, he won me over with that theme that I think Tony and I noticed with Hemlock coming out of like, that was nice. Like, that was a nice ghostly touch, and I, and I and appreciated I am, that. Like, I'm someone who will not notice the music or the theme 99% of the time. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not the target audience for that question. So. Yeah, no, I, I haven't sat down and listened just to his theme and the, the music in isolation, but I'm kind of interested to do that. Um yeah, it's hard for me, especially because just so much of my Star Wars thoughts are tied up with John Williams, and I know every note in those scores, so it's always a little tricky to go into something that's like wants to weave into that tradition, but is is also 
you know, it does have different things. Writing for a TV show is very different from writing for a movie. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it, it's a different skill set. I think he's doing a great job, though. I've really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I so. think he's a very yeah. solid composer. Yeah. I agree. B plus, A minus. That's good. Uh, and then last one is Justin writes in and says, more cat imitating Nala Say is my vote. <laughs> I don't even remember doing I vaguely remember doing that. And I remember being like, this is not going in a good place. Uh, but that's right. Not. Don't uh, no nope. okay we should Nala <laughs> okay no nope. no Mm-mm. no no Mm-mm. Mm-mm. anyway uh if you'd like to drop us a line <laughs> via hollow net uh you can do it acp at the com or find us on mastodon at acp at zeppelin death flights or find us in the incomparable member discord if you're a subscribing member of the incomparable which we encourage you to do because it helps support this very show uh i think that's all we've got for this week we will be back next week to talk about episode five Uh, which is entitled The Return of what? The Jedi. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Uh, No. (laughs) You set me up. What do you want? I was asking if there was more to it. No. Just The Return? The Return. Okay. Uh, Tight tight 30 minutes. In and out. (laughs) Nice. Uh, I would, of course, like to thank the rest of my team. So glad that we're all reunited on this moon. Uh, Kat Benish, thank you for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, all. Have a good night. Tony Sindelar, thank you for joining us. Thanks for putting it together, Dan. Uh, that's what I do. I'll put things together. Two plus two equals five, everybody. Please keep the intro, though. <laughs> Is it an intro or just a lot of weird stuff that we talked about? Yeah, but write in if you know what moonlighting is. <laughs> just, <laughs> Most just... importantly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. We will see you next time. But until then, may the force be with you. <laughs>